This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your host, Matt Scalina. And Matt, I'm fired up for today because we have Darren Mitchell. Darren Mitchell, financial educator, author out of Halifax, Halifax-based financial educator. Yeah. That market's done well. We talk a little bit about that. That's a COVID market for sure. I mean, it was a it's a great city. I've never been, but I've been told. Great music scene, apparently. This is so wait for his favorite bar or restaurant. We did the Halifax edition. Of uh, the five wire. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I missed no, it. You were not here. You missed this one, unfortunately. But let's just talk about a few things about Darren. Amazon bestselling author. Okay. The book, Be the Bank. He's got a new book that we talk about coming out this month, actually. Yeah, we're in November now. And that one is called Infinite Banking for Real Estate Investors. And the general thrust, there's a couple different things we talk about. But, but one is... I love this idea that Darren has and others have talked about as well, but it's one that I think about constantly. Why are you putting all your money in RSPs and TFSAs saving for the rainy day when you could be using that money to compound and grow grow through real estate investing today? So he talks a lot about cash value life insurance policies and how those are beneficial as opposed to RSPs and TFSAs. So it is a great conversation for that. But this idea of infinite banking as well, stay tuned for that. It's a, it's a great conversation. This is a, uh, do you think the timing of November is anything to do with stocking stuffers? 
You know what? I did. Just, I just thought of this. This is a Christmas book launch. This might be a Christmas book launch. It's also we're getting into RSP season. So, right. yeah, I mean, I wouldn't put it past Darren. Darren, he's a very, uh, he's a very savvy, he's a very timing. savvy strategic planner. So, stay tuned for that, Darren Mitchell. This is a great conversation. Speaking of uh, strategic planning, though, Matt. Yeah. So one thing I noticed is we're highly tracking our. What do, you, what do you even call those? Vital stats? Vital stats, stats, I would say. Uh, yeah. Everyone I, at the office is doing it. Yeah, you know, you get the Apple Watch and then you start kind of working out. Then you start worrying about a little bit about what you're eating. I Next actually, thing you know, you're, you're monitoring your macros and now you're monitoring your sleep. Well, here's the thing. I have never been much of a health guy. Right. And it shows. Uh, but everybody we have. So here, here's actually the, the thing that has has happened in my life over the last six years. It's probably, and I would say because of the podcast, we consistently have really successful people on this show and almost always they are in phenomenal shape and I've put two and two together. So you and I are both schlubs, schlubs that are (laughs) aspiring. So we're monitoring everything. And, and here's the, the stat I, I sent this to you the other day because you're about a month or two ahead of me. And I was thinking you'd maybe be able to help me out with this. I'm monitoring my sleep. Yeah. And it's going is... up. But last month, I have spent an average of seven hours and 24 minutes in bed. Yes. Okay. And so, I am. Seven, wait, seven hours and 24 minutes in bed. This is. This each is an night. average for, uh, for each the month. night. Yeah, yeah. For the yeah. month. So okay. actually, not bad. That's, that's, yeah, that's a, that's, that most people would kill for that much sleep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I am sleeping an average of seven hours, 32 minutes. Wait a second. Hang on a second. Hang on, hang on. What's your average for being in bed? Seven hours, 24 minutes. So, so we're missing 12 vital minutes. No, 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 no. Eight. Eight. Wait, wait, what's the, I'm, what's no, the no, spread no. Here? here? The spread is eight minutes. Okay. But here's the thing. I'm sleeping more than I'm lying down. <laughs> so, so the question becomes... Like, is it the intro or the outro? No. Well, yeah. I'm, what, what are you sleep? Where are you sleeping through? This, this is, is a, I know this is, a thing I sometimes here. feel, do you ever get this when you're driving and then you're, you kind of snap out of it and you're like, huh, you maybe just cause I drive through the city constantly, right? Like half of being yeah, a real estate agent You don't even remember is, where, where and you started Every once in a while I, I click in and I'm like, how did I get downtown? Like, I yeah. don't remember that whole journey. Yeah. Is that the missing? Eight I, I was going to say not. this month, I basically turned left into oncoming traffic at one point when I was somewhere else. So yeah, maybe that is it. But anyway, so always, average, always available for your buyer tours in our vehicles. <laughs> uh, no, but yeah, well, that's, that's a, that's but it doesn't make sense, right? On average, I am sleeping more than I'm lying down. Is this, are you using the aura? Cause past guest fan favorite, Ken Sim, potentially future mayor, talked about the aura ring i'm you're, not you're i'm not using, using my my apple watch you're sleeping in your apple watch i sleep now. in my apple when watch when do you now. charge your apple watch so that's the here's problem. the thing apple watch this is uh this is called a life hack it charges very quickly so what i do is i get out of bed i charge it in the morning before i leave and it basically takes an hour an hour yeah okay and you're done wow yeah. interesting yeah. so but so you're sleeping and it's, I, I can't imagine sleeping with something on my wrist, but, uh, maybe, you know, 
You know what? It's it, <laughs> unless it's handcuffs. <laughs> Just kidding. No, uh, no. But I, I kid. I, I, kid. I, I kid. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> let's talk about. So you're you're tracking your you're tracking your sleep. Uh, we're we're both tracking our uh, our 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 macros, which I learned this word about a week ago. I, I say know, I say it four times a day now. I talk about my, oh, at least I'm, four times. I'm only talking about my macros. <laughs> But anyways, it's going to be a swell Christmas. And speaking of uh, <laughs> meaning, meaning we won't be as swell, swollen, <laughs> swollen as we as we typically are. But here's the thing: one thing we've been talking about is we're having constant conversations with people around this notion of okay, we're we're now middle November. We're pushing mid November, and, 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 yeah. and the October stats just came out. Inventory lows are still record lows, right? Yeah. So here, here's here's just to just to highlight that. We saw a 27.3% decrease in new listings from October 2020, so year over year. Yeah. We saw a 21.7% decrease in October from September 2021. So inventory is, and then, and then of course, July and August, historical lows for like the last 30 years in our yeah. market. So just insanely low inventory. It doesn't seem like anything is shaking inventory loose. Well, and, and it's definitely not going to shake loose in the next couple of months. And it's super, it, it's so frustrating for buyers right now. Like just, and you just feel it, right? It's right across the board. If people have been looking for a long time, especially in the detached market, a decent house comes up, you get, you know, 70 people through the door. They end up with 12, 15, 17 offers. And it's just, it's, it's agonizing, right? It's, it's agonizing being a buyer. So the question is, do you list before Christmas? Do you wait until January? Do you sell in the spring? Well, well and he, that's the question we've been getting. So here's the, yeah, we've been talking to a lot of people because typically, right, November, you're kind of starting to coast into Christmas, right. holiday season. And then in January, you're kind of ramping back up again. But in the late fall is when you're talking to people about, you know, February listings often. Like, sure. okay, yeah, you're, you, let's get ready to go for late January, early February. But the question this year becomes, if you're listing in the next six months, do you wait for the spring? Mm. Mm. What are your thoughts? My, my thoughts are one in the hand. Right now, if I had something that was like, like a popular product right now, especially like something where inventory and by popular products, I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum on the program, but you know, if I had something like that was a COVID friendly, like a detached house or a half duplex or a townhouse right now, I'd be hit and play, I think right now, just because these, these inventory you know, they're just so low. If you have a good product right now, you will stand out by virtue of just being the only game in town. Yeah. And I, I feel like there's still, the buyer demand is still there. I, I agree. And I would almost go further and say across the board, I would list because there's kind of th three reasons, right? Okay. One is Break them down. inventory. Of course, you, you just talked about is at an all, basically, I don't want to say all time lows, but very, very, it's Agonizingly very, low. very slim pickings across the board. Second, of course, and we are going to have guests come on in the next couple of weeks to talk about this inflation, interest rates. We're now talking about potentially three, four, five, six interest rate hikes in 2022, 2023, right? right. There's storm clouds on the horizon that potentially put a dampen, could dampen the market. Potentially dampen the market. And third is we still, the rhythms of our market, I, I feel like in 2018, say, we could have said, you know, you could set your watch to the, to the way this market operates, but almost circadian, past, circadian, 
Yes. I was going to say. I, I'm, I'm tracking my circadian <laughs> rhythms as well. I was going to say, this is all coming full circle. But here's the thing. We were talking about holding off on listings till September. The summer, July and August, was very busy this year. It seemed busy, busier than yeah. everyone expected. September was really slow. So everybody was saying after Labor Day, after Labor Day, after Labor Day. Slow in contrast. Still busy, but, but, but slow in contrast. But slow in contrast. And in October, it was busier in September. Right. Which doesn't, that doesn't necessarily make sense either. So it seems like, you know, the summer, which is traditionally slow, was busy. The fall market started off with a whimper and kind of got busier at a later period. Yeah. It's very hard to predict. And, and, yeah. and maybe that's because travel plans are on hold. I don't know. But one thing's for sure. Inventory, interest rate increases potentially next year. And this COVID kind of rhythm that that is harder to... Uh, harder to decipher. I think, yeah, I'm with you. I would, I would be listing. I was talking to a, a client in California in LA, longtime client friend, basically just chatting about various markets in the US and in Canada. And his take on it from speaking to his agent in LA, apparently January is the new spring market. That was what her comment was. I'm not sure I understand it. I feel like January, I feel like this year, and I, I could be wrong, I feel like people are going to double down on the holiday season. They're going to enjoy it. They're going to be social. Okay, but here's the thing. I feel like if we went back to the spring on this show, we would be saying the summer is going to be super slow. And I think we did say that yeah. because everybody's going to be out enjoying kind of the the post-COVID. But Christmas almost didn't exist last year because of because yeah. of COVID. Fair to say? Well, Do you think people are ready to uh, to get married again? Because I, I think this is there's going to be Christmas parties. Well, there's here's be- well this, but this makes a case for why why you list before the spring because I think a lot of people don't want to be on the market at, at this time of year. So I don't think there's any fear that the inventory is increasing. I think you are uh, so in that case you stand to benefit with the low inventory right. and, and it not increasing. But anyway, our two cents there on whether the list and of course, uh, Take it or leave our, it. Our, our numbers are at the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, if exactly. you want to talk further about this, but before we get to our talk with, uh, Darren Mitchell here, author of be the bank. One more thing this week, we are sponsored by Oakland realty. This is yes. our brokerage, best brokerage in Vancouver, hands down. If you're a new agent an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, the culture is phenomenal over at Oakland. Head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP2020. You'll get to sit down with Michael Morgan and the gang. Even more exciting potentially is the huge incentive you get for, for sure. first reaching out at oakland.com slash join, type in VRP2020. But Adam, without further ado... Let's, yeah. uh, let's talk to Darren Mitchell. Can't or, wait for this one. Yeah, I'll talk I, to Darren Mitchell. I've been looking into cash value life insurance policies for a long time, and this is really one that's piqued my interest. So can't wait. Enjoy. Okay, so I'm here with Darren Mitchell, financial educator and author of Be The Bank, how the wealthy control and compound their money and how you can too. And the new book, I don't know if Darren, maybe I'll leave it to you. Should I, should I mention what the new book is? It's not out yet. I don't yeah. think. Yeah, it'll be out. Uh, it'll be out November, 2021. So you can, you can mention it. Okay. Infinite banking. This is a good one for our listeners for sure. 
Infinite Banking for Real Estate Investors. And it's out, I guess we're in November, so it's it's coming out this month, which is exciting. Hopefully we can talk a little bit about that. But uh, before we start, Darren, maybe can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. So uh, I, uh, I've lived in several places in Canada, but back home now on the East Coast in, uh, in Halifax and uh, spent my first, you know, probably 15 years in the financial services business, traditional route, you know, economics degree, MBA and all that stuff and worked in Toronto and Halifax and really wasn't what I would call a traditional financial advisor. Probably up till about 2008 was the big kind of turning point for me where, where things changed. So 2008, uh, I, re- I remember well, things changed for a lot of people. What, uh, what, happened, what happened in your world? Well, well I, was, I, was, I was out in uh, actually Haines, Alaska, beautiful spot. Flew to Vancouver, then up to, up to Whitehorse to uh, meet my buddy, and we drove to Haines, Alaska. Salmon fishing, beautiful, you know, glacier mountains in the background. We're catching salmon. Life's great. <laughs> But that was the uh, that was the fall of 2008. But I say fall, I mean also the fall of the stock market. So literally uh, every hour, I was born his truck to drive to the top of the mountain to hold my old blackbird berry above my head, so I could get one bar to call the office and say, "How much did the market drop this hour?" <laughs> uh, so, so that was really when that happened. I was like, "All right, I'll, I'm not in control of my clients' money. I'm not in control of my money." Something different has to happen. So that's when I kind of began, began this education crusade where I literally spent hundreds of thousands of dollars of my own money traveling across North America, studying what wealthy people do, how wealthy people make money, because they didn't lose money at OA. They all, they, they, most people continue to make money each and every year. So that's where I, I stopped getting educated from the mutual fund companies, banks, and insurance companies and started paying for education and saying, all right, how do we do this differently so this doesn't happen again? So Darren, one thing I, I notice about the description of 2008, the book title is control, right? How, how to take control, I guess, of your, your own financial destiny. But I'd love to kind of unpack what you mean by control. But before we get there, you know, there is this distinction you make between kind of the average Canadian and the wealthy. What, what do most average Canadians get wrong when it, when it comes to wealth building? Sure. Well, what most, you know, We've got 90% of the wealth is, is in the hands of 10% of Canadians. So the strategies we all seem to follow, though, we follow the 90% of Canadians that only hold 10% of the wealth. That's, that's what we typically follow as strategies, right? Get a job, work Monday to Friday, T4 job, put, it, put some extra dollars away in your RSP and let it sit there you know, for the next 40 years and cross your fingers and hopefully everything will work out. And you know what, what the wealthy have figured out, you know, not, I don't think it, looking back, it was rocket science, but now that I've been, I've been immersed in this the last you know, dozen, dozen years, it's not rocket science. If you want to be rich, do what rich people do. It's, it's pretty simple. And rich people really focus on three things. They invest in themselves. You are your greatest asset. You're the golden goose. You're learning to be a better real estate investor, a better real estate agent, a better coach, a better mentor, or someone learning to be a better business owner. That investment in yourself, I mean, I've, I've got a client who's 24 who took a real estate investing course on multi-unit, hired a coach. He bought a 14 or 16-unit apartment building at 24. Like That's going to mean wow. millions of dollars over his life, what he's learned investing in himself. And what most people get hung up on, like, ooh, did my $10,000 RSP contribution do 6 or 8%? Like, 
you know, so invest in yourself. They start businesses and they invest in real estate. 90% of millionaires and billionaires did it through real estate over, over the last hundreds of years. So if you want to be wealthy, invest like rich people, you invest in yourself, you learn a skill. I don't care if it's university, learn how to be a Facebook guy, learn how to some skill that's valuable to somebody, invest in a business, invest in real estate. But to do that, you've got to be in control of your money. You know, you can't give up control of your money. You know, to say to a, a, a real estate investor, you know, 25, 35, 40 years old, what I think you should do is give up control of your money, put it in a nice balanced mutual fund and an RSP with the bank and wait 31 years until you're 71 and then riff it instead of being in control so you can invest in real estate. Just doesn't make sense for me for the people that want to be in real estate, for the people that want to be in business and for the people that want to be wealthy. There's nothing wrong about RSPs in the stock market. But that's not where, you know, your greatest chance of, of, of wealth is going to come. And, and Darren, why, why real estate? Why, why do you like real estate so much? Well, one of the things I absolutely love, love about real estate is, you know, I put, a, I put a typical Canadian puts a dollar in the stock market and they go, all right, how many jobs is that dollar going to do? Well, hopefully it's going to go up in value to one, just one job. You put that same dollar in real estate. Well, now all of a sudden, how many jobs is that dollar going to do? Well, you can have appreciation. Great. You like appreciation. You can have active appreciation, do a renovation, make it more valuable. Okay. We can have hopefully a positive cash flow or, or it depends where you buy. You can have tax benefits. You can write off your depreciation. You can have tenants paying down your mortgage and you get the power of leverage. You can buy a, you know, a, a million dollar property for five or 20% down, depending whether it's, you know, your first personal or, or uh, as an investor, but you get 20% down, you get a hundred percent of the gains. So now you get your dollar doing like five or six different jobs. So if each, you know, each one of those jobs is doing two, three, four, five percent, you start adding those up. And that's why, you know, typically real estate deals, people are looking at 20, 20% plus returns because their dollar's doing more than one job at the same time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just thinking, so, you know, we have a lot of, you know, in terms of ages of people listening to this podcast, I, I would say that the majority are obviously interested in real estate or in the city of Vancouver, but real estate is is a primary focus. And I think most people, you know, are interested and excited by real estate. But one thing, you know, that I can imagine somebody out there listening is, you know, invest in yourself sounds great. But if you're, say, you know, working nine to five, have two kids, you know, basically pulling out your hair with little time. The strategy may may be difficult to follow. Like, what what do you say for people who are already established and potentially unsatisfied with where they're at in their life, and you know, maybe trying to max out the RSP but don't have a lot of time? Yeah, well, you know, what's Tony Robbins call it? Calls it net time, no extra time, or net activity, no extra time uh, activity. You know, this investing in yourself doesn't have to cost money. I mean, you can start out listening to podcasts like we're on today. You can start out by looking at free YouTube uh, videos for some great real estate investors in Canada that share share so much. You can you can learn this by talking to other people in, in real estate. But if you're in your car, you're going for a run or a walk, throw, throw your headphones in, listen to a podcast and learn something. And and you know, once you once you get an idea or a strategy that makes sense for you, and maybe that's, you know, pre-construction, maybe that's uh, you know, uh, a flip, whatever it is. Well, then, you know, you get excited and then you'll find the time to, to dig in and learn more about it. But, you know, if 90% of millionaires and billionaires did, did it through real estate, you know, if, 
if you want to get ahead, it's just one of the time-tested, proven ways to get ahead. Yeah, you don't have to don't have to recreate the wheel here. Yeah, exactly. Just you know, copy what the rich people do. I don't know. Rich. <laughs> I built a whole business on it, but you know, there's a few more few more pieces to it. But you know, that's the end of the day. You know, I joke that's that that's going to be my third book. It's going to be how to how to be rich, and it's only going to be one page. It's going to say do what do what rich people do. <laughs> Do you find though, like do, do what rich people do? It's um, for a lot of people, it is kind of. And I know you said it's not rocket science, but you know, twelve years ago, it it potentially was to yourself. Like, how how do we figure out what the real wealthy are doing? How they're how they're basically controlling and compounding their money? Yeah, well, I mean, and so my area of expertise, what I do is I help uh, I help typically business owners, real estate investors, and and and, and other Canadians individuals, you know, implement this infinite banking, high cash value life insurance as part of part of their financial plan. Like I, I believe the base of your financial plan is kind of like the foundation of your, your house or your building. It's got to be rock solid and bulletproof. And to me, that's a position of control. And it's either this cash or this infinite banking, this high cash value life insurance policy that's basically bulletproof. And you establish a base and then, you know, that's that's your opportunity fund slash emergency fund. When you find that opportunity, hopefully in, in real estate or business or investing in yourself, you can say, great, I, I have control and access to money so I can take advantage of that opportunity as opposed to giving up control of your money and locking it away for 40 years. So, and again, I'm not anti-RSPs, but if you want to do business real estate, you're going to need access to money and in control of your money. So for at least a portion... You know, you, you start, again, my strategy is I save money in this, these, uh, I have eight now cash value life insurance policies. And as that wealth it builds up in there, then I take those dollars and I multiply them. I literally, I, I don't use my own money. I call the insurance company up and say, hey, if you've got a hundred grand in there, they're going to loan you $90,000, no questions asked. So now my money's in the policy growing tax-free for the rest of my life that I can spend in retirement. My money's multiplied and it's in a real estate deal doing five or six jobs. My money's multiplied again and it's providing a death benefit for my family. So, you know, I've, I've now, but it's, it doesn't happen overnight. You're not going to start one of these policies, put put $1,000 in this month and go buy a $800,000 condo next week. But everybody, every Canadian needs to save money, save more money or store the wealth they have in a safe spot. And that's why this strategy fits so well for that. So can we unpack for those listening who don't don't have a clue, cash value life insurance policies, can you just really unpack this strategy? What what that what that life insurance policy is and and how that is beneficial to you as opposed to say, you know, regular regular life insurance? Sure. So so the Ninety-nine percent of policy insurance policies in Canada, they start with a death benefit, and you say, "Okay, great, you need half a million, a million, whatever, whatever you need for for a death benefit to look after your family." And that's it was great. That's there's a need for that that type of insurance. When we talk about an infinite banking policy, we're doing the other extreme. We love everything about the insurance industry in Canada in the sense that any money inside an insurance contract can grow tax-free. So we love that. So the way we design uh, these special high cash value policies is we focus totally on the cash. The death benefit comes along for the ride, and it's relevant, but the focus is on the cash. So you know, long term, you're going to grow your cash somewhere between three and a half to five and a half percent tax free, which you know, competitive rate of return. But you got to remember, once you start growing that, 
Now you can multiply it. You can borrow 90%. And if you borrow 90% of your cash value, your money inside your policy is not affected. It's still compounding that 35 to 5% for the rest of your life. So you're saving for retirement. It's growing tax-free inside the policy, but it's also going out doing real estate business, investing in yourself, or you know, using it for an emergency that comes up. So you can basically, I call compound interest the snowball, right? You, you want to take a snowball, roll it, roll it, roll it. What most people do is, you know, once they get a base, a base of the snowball turns into the base of a snowman, they smash it and start again. In other words, they pay cash. They save 20 grand, then they go pay cash. Save 20 grand, pay cash. What we want to do, what if we could roll that snowball for the next 50, 60, 70 years? Well, that would be huge. And that's when you can access the money and save it at the same time. You can borrow 90% of the cash value. It allows you to do both. Save for the long term, but, but use funds in the short term. So if I understand with the cash value life insurance policy, this is a, a mechanism in which you can save funds tax-free, borrow 90% of the value to invest in something else. And are you, and let's just say somebody out there is 25, okay? And they're thinking RSP, TFSA, cash value life insurance policy. Is the idea here, okay, forget RSP, forget TFSA, focus on a life insurance policy. And can you break down for our listeners how it Works like, are you able to do 500 bucks a month, 100 bucks a month, or is it lump sums where you're buying, you know, whatever, 10K at a time or 50K at a time? Or, or how would it work if, if you're talking to a 25 year old in terms of how to get started with, with this? Do they forego the RSP and focus on the life insurance? And then how, how it kind of works in terms of getting started? Yeah, so so you know, I wouldn't say forego the RSP, especially if you've got a, a matching plan at work. If you've got a matching plan at work, and the employer's putting in five percent, and you're putting in five percent, hundred percent, I think you should should jump on board for that. And again, it depends what you're trying to accomplish, right? If you're going to be, you know, if you're going to be a school teacher and you're going to teach school the rest of your life, and you want to throw an extra hundred bucks uh, in savings a year, or maybe a, or a month or a week, RSPs, you know, might be the might be right for you. But if you want to get into real estate, if you want to get into business, if you want to try to be wealthy, then 100%, I would say, you know, the, the place you've got to start is saving money in a place that you control and you can multiply your dollars, which is cash value life insurance. And that starts, you know, somewhere around $500 is sort of the minimum in order to make it to make it large enough to, to actually grow to something that you can use. Mm-hmm. Um and, and, you know, like all RSPs, you know, maximum security prison. You put your money in there and it's, you know, <laughs> you can get it out, but it's tough, right? And, and, and the TFSA, you know, I like, the, I like those better. But the TFSA, you know, you still have what we call an or asset. You put money in and it goes into TFSA and, you know, typically in the stock market. So if the stock market drops 40% next month, are you really in control of that money? Are you really going to take it out to go do a real estate deal? Or... Oh, sorry, back to, I call it an or asset because it's TFSA or real estate. I can't do both. Mm-hmm. The, the cash value is an and asset. I want to put my money in the cash value. And then, you know, down the road, you know, a year or two when it starts growing, I'm going to say, well, I have it in the cash value compounding for life and I'm going to go do real estate and I'm going to do coaching and I'm going to hire a coach or whatever that and opportunity is. So, you know, I'll give you a quick example. I did my first private blend, private loan this year. So I loaned over $100,000. It was a real estate 26-unit building. Um, they needed some money to fix it up, and then they're going to refinance. Well, 
I didn't use my money. My money's inside my insurance policy, compounding tax-free for the rest of my life, but I'm going to be able to access in retirement. So I just went to the insurance company and said, hey, can I have 100 grand of your money? And they said, sure. And they charged me roughly 4% interest, and I loaned it out at 14. Now, that was an and opportunity. Whether I did that or not, my policy cash value was growing the exact same. But now my policy is growing and I have this other opportunity to build wealth for my family. So I'm, I'm multiplying dollars, so I'm doing two things at the same time. So I think there's got to be somebody out there right now that, that's wondering, like, why is this not talked about more, right? This cash value life insurance, you know, it, it, we're inundated, you know, well, I don't know, I'm obsessed with financial uh, reading every morning, you know, the Globe and Mail and Rob Carrick and all those guys. They don't talk a lot about this as 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 far as I can see, like what is this? Is it a secret? It's not a secret. The wealthy people have been using this for a long time. It's actually one of the fastest growing segments of the of the financial planning world. But you know, at the end of the day, most of the large financial institutions like banks, like mutual fund companies that control, you know, most of the funds out there, well, banks can't sell life insurance. They don't want you to be in control of your money. If, and I mean, I don't blame them. If I was a bank, I would say, listen, we're going to talk to a 25-year-old. We're going to get him to invest for the next 40 years with us in an RSP, maybe 45. And then we're going to keep his money for those 45 years. And then when he retires, we'll keep his money for another 30 years and pay it back to him piece by piece. Now, who's in control of that money? Well, the bank. So, you know, it, but for this, it's I want to be in control of my money and the clients to deal with want to be in control of their money. So they decide if an opportunity comes along, they can take advantage of it. But just one last thing on that. There was a billion dollars went into life, life insurance in Canada last year. So it's not a insignificant part of the financial planning world, but it's, uh, it, yeah, it's definitely not out there like our RSPs. And in terms of going back to your first book, which was, you know, it's very successful book, Be the Bank. Is this the the core idea of of how to become the bank? Absolutely. Yeah. So that book covers that. You know, it's it's that book's kind of designed for for everyone, right? That book was how's the concept work? Show me some examples. You know, there's one chapter on on real estate to say, you know, that here's how it works for a real estate investor. And then just as my business grew across Canada, and I deal in I have many clients in uh, in BC, Ontario. You know, ninety nine percent of my client base now would be outside of Atlantic Canada. So, you know, virtual virtual business is uh, is, is like here to stay. But it just you know, my business evolved into probably eighty percent of the people I'm dealing with now are real estate investors because the strategy just fits so perfectly for real estate investors. So that's what that was sort of the the idea for that second book is like I, I um firsthand witnessing every single day I talk to real estate investors and I see what they're doing to be be successful. I see how this strategy combines with what they're doing to make them more successful. And that was just, okay, well, I just want to share that information out there now. And that's that was really how the second book that totally focused on real estate investing, different ways you can invest in real estate and how this infinite banking or cash value life insurance is going to make it better. Mm-hmm. It just to kind of put a fine point on it here. You get started with the cash value life insurance policy. You're contributing to it over the span of your life. You're at the same time, you're able to borrow against it, which is where you're either doing, you know, you, you talked about private lending, pre-sale purchases, flips, even just straight up passive 
or fairly passive investing investment properties, uh, but you're borrowing against the the funds to use and grow wealth through real estate, and then that those funds are still in that life insurance policy, growing at three to five percent per annum as you live through your your working years. And then at the end, how does the funds? Are you able to start withdrawing at a certain point, or how does that work? Yeah. So again, we're going to focus on the on the always on the loan. So in the early years, great, you're borrowing to do to do deals. You're borrowing or emergencies, right? Your roof goes on your house and you need ten grand. Well, great, we, we, you can you can access the money. But in the perfect world, opportunities, and you do that, you know, from twenty in your example, twenty five to fifty five or sixty five, whatever, whatever you start shutting it down, and then at some point you're going to go. All right, Darren, this was cool. I was able to do way more deals than I would have been able to otherwise because I would multiply money and you know my money was in two places at the same time and doing more jobs. But now I'm like pushing retirement. What what am I going to do with this now? And again, there's all kinds of options and I talk about five or six of them in my Be the Bank book. But one of them is, well, why don't we just start taking loans now? And these loans, we'll never pay back. And when I say never pay back, I mean never pay back till death. Because at the end of the day, this still is a life insurance policy, and we have a death benefit. And the death benefit is always going to be larger than the cash value, and the cash value is always going to be larger than the loan, because we're only borrowing up to 90%. So now you die owing $900,000, and your death benefit is $1.9 million. Well, your family gets $1.9 million minus the $900,000 outstanding loan. They're going to get a million dollars tax-free. Sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's cool. It's cool. Like, you actually get to spend your own death benefit, right? Most people buy life insurance for people they leave behind. I, and if I die, great, there's there's a bunch of money for, for my family. But this stuff, like, you know, technically you're boring against the cash value, but it's almost like you're spending your own death benefit. You're like, oh, wow, I get to borrow money, and then the death benefit pays off the loan. So again, you're not spending your death benefit, but it, it kind of feels like that to some people because instead of leaving, you know, maybe $2 million behind, if you end up borrowing a million dollars in your in your retirement, well great, now you're gonna leave, you know, a million dollars or again, just a quick example, but something along that line. Right. So for those people out there, myself included, who have a regular life insurance plan that keeps me warm at night, do you I mean, I know you mentioned there's a there's a place for those. Would you be advising people then, you know, there there seems like there's infinitely more possibilities with the cash value life insurance policy to, to kind of revisit the life insurance policy, the kind of regular, the way that most people think about life insurance to revisit that policy and potentially shift to a cash value life insurance policy? Yeah, I mean, every, every, every case is different. I definitely not, uh, not recommend that anyone cancel any existing policy until they you know, meet with someone, uh, one of our wealth coaches, and, and go through it. And typically, you know, we're not in a position to get rid of those policies initially because we're focused on the cash value. We don't have a large enough death benefit sure, yeah. to, to to replace that death benefit, right? If our death benefit's only a couple hundred grand and you get a million dollars of you know term or $2 million of term, well, that's not going to replace it. Now, over time, you know, I was, you know, I put enough, I started putting enough uh, dollars in cash value life insurance for because I want to do real estate and all these other things, all other reasons. A byproduct of that, it was also doing another job, which was providing a death benefit. So eventually my death benefit got to a point where I was able to eliminate $2,500 a year in term insurance costs because I didn't need that. But that wasn't day one. That, that took some while 
that the cash value grows and the death benefit grows on an annual basis. So eventually, absolutely, we can we can look at perhaps replacing some of those policies, but certainly not in the short term. Sort of switching gears a little bit, Darren, there's a couple of, and I love the, the kind of way you frame it, but uh, there's a couple ideas that I just wanted to talk to you quickly about here. One is you have in your book a section called Big Wealth Destroyers. We've talked a lot about how to control your funds, compound through real estate investing. What in your mind are the big wealth destroyers out there that, that listeners should be aware of and, and uh, be mitigating against? Yeah, thanks. There's really four big wealth destroyers. And again, this was just part of the, you know, I'd like to say I came up with them, but really I just studied what the wealthy people are trying to avoid. And then, you know, I put it in my book and, and this cash value life insurance just is a perfect solution for this. But, you know, number one wealth destroyer in Canada by far is tax and it's only going to get bigger. So you grow your, you grow tax-free versus taxable over the next 50 years, the, the results are, are night and day. Then we've got fees, you know, in Canada, we still get mutual funds with fees sometimes 2% and higher. Then we get volatility as the market goes up and down, you know, that. That is destroying your wealth long-term as well when you have these 30 and 40% corrections. And then spending. Spending is the, probably the biggest one after taxes. You know, people save 20 grand and then they blow it or they spend that cash and now their compounding goes right back to zero and they restart the compounding. And then they save 20 grand, they're starting to get nice compounding and then they go right back to zero. So by having the cash value, you can allow your compounding to continue and then if you need need funds, you can borrow against the value of the policy. So that allows your co- compounding to continue without cashing it out to spend. Mm. I'm just thinking about this. This this all, all makes a, a, a lot of sense. You know, people out there invest in yourself, invest in real estate, invest in, in a business. What are the big risks? So I, I feel like the, the, the big thing here is you have to, it's really in, in, for an average person, this is this will take some energy to kind of wrestle control of their their life and finances, and really you know exert the energy required to kind of grow at a level that that you won't if you're just kind of yeah putting a a thousand bucks away every month into an RSP. If for this strategy, just more generally, what in your mind are, are the big risks when taking control like this? Yeah, I mean the. The, the biggest risk in this is just funding it for say a year and then and then stopping it, right? Because even if we design this perfectly with the right company, the right structure, the right design, maximizing cash, you're still going to be underwater year one. So year one, you're going to be in a situation where whatever you deposited, you're going to have less than that as a cash value in year one. Because insurance companies get all fairly big expenses on year one that I talk about in the book. So if you put money in for a year, and you can't afford that second premium, then you know, you're gonna lose thirty or forty percent of your money because we can't just fund this for one year and then and then call it a day. Typically we're looking at funding this for you know six to eight years, ten years, twenty years, or even longer on policies on children. But you know, once you get two years of premium in, then you have some breathing breathing room that you could take a few years off. But your kind of worst case scenario is you put money in today. 12 months later when the second deposit or is, is due or monthly, paid monthly as well, and you can't pay that second annual deposit or 13th month, that's where you run into trouble. So that's why, you know, you got to be confident you're going to be able to fund this for the first few years before you start one of these. Fantastic. Last, uh, before we have a, a segment called the Five Wire, where we finish the show with kind of five 
lighthearted questions. I guess it will be the Halifax edition because we have a, a, if you're not familiar with Vancouver, we have some specific questions that way. But as a teaser for their new book, Infinite Banking for Real Estate Investors, I'm curious to hear you talk a little bit about this idea of the hierarchy of wealth that's outlined in that book. Yeah, you know, it's basically a triangle and it goes back to the base of your financial plan has got to be a position of control. And then as you move up the hierarchy of wealth, you know, the so the step one is you get that base of your financial plan. The widest part of the of the pyramid or triangle is nice rock solid cash value life insurance. And then we take that money and we multiply it and we go up that next tier and we go to investing in yourself, investing in business, and then we get to real estate or some other hard assets. And those bottom three tiers, that's again where true wealth is is made in Canada. Build up a base in cash value, multiply your dollars, allow it to do allow it to go into you, making you better, a business or real estate. That's really where where I think the people that are do want to be real estate investors and business owners where, where they're going to see the most wealth. And again, I'm not anti-RSP or anti-stock market, but to say to a 30-year-old business owner or real estate investor, you should start at the top of the hierarchy of wealth in the stock market or in RSPs and give up control of your money and put it in there for the next 40 years. You know, it just doesn't make sense to me if you accept that you want to invest in yourself, business, and real estate, you've got to be in a position of control. So that's where we start start at the bottom of the hierarchy of wealth, which is control, which is either cash or cash flow. Fantastic. Well, that's a, a lot of food for thought there, Darren. Thanks so much. Maybe we'll end with the five wire here. So one uh, specific question to Vancouver usually, but the Halifax edition, what is your favorite bar or restaurant? Oh, easy one. So uh, for those that are ever coming to Halifax, you've got to go to the Lower Deck. The Lower Deck's beautiful pub right on the uh, Halifax Harbor, right on the waterfront, live East Coast music every single night. It's our go-to place when we have uh, friends uh, friends for away coming. Right on. And Halifax has done, speaking of real estate markets, you guys have had a, a good run the last 18. Basically, the COVID run has been crazy there, as I understand. The, the, the secret out it's a really nice place to live and uh, <laughs> people are going oh I can sell my house in uh, Ontario or some other places and uh, move move to the east coast and you know be, be by the ocean and uh, have a pretty mild winter it's uh, yeah the secret's out so our real estate is really uh, spiked over COVID right on uh, second question for you favorite band or song oh well see well, of all time, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go back to uh, Meatloaf. Out of the Hell was probably my favorite album back in the day. We listened to that when we were kids for a million times. Yeah. But over uh, over COVID, I really get into Luke Combs. A lot of a lot of Luke Combs stuff. He was putting stuff out during COVID. So a little country uh, flair there for Luke Combs. Right on. One book, and this would be outside. So I'll I'll recommend your books. Be be the bank and uh, and the new one, Infinite Banking for Real Estate Investors. But what is one book that you've not written yourself that you would recommend to anyone listening? Um, I would just recommend you read my books. No. Um, <laughs> so uh, the, the one I the one I always give to uh, business owners is uh, uh, the E Myth was probably the one I, I gave for years. Uh, right. Really, really old book, but just basically how to process your, your business. Uh, Michael Gerber, I think, wrote it. Yeah, that's um, a phenomenal by, book. By, 
My new one this year is actually um, Profit First. So I read that uh, this year where uh, Michael, 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 anyway, Profit First, uh, it's, uh, again, more directed for uh, business owners and real estate investors. And it just talks about, you know, literally taking taking your profit first. And uh, so I've implemented some of those strategies in my business and it's been a big help. Right on. Okay. A good one. One piece of advice you would give your 18-year-old self. Um, that uh, you gotta, you, you gotta take, you gotta take some risks in life. You know, I, I find a lot of people, they're, they're just, they just want to follow the herd. Right? Right. They want to follow the herd and do what everyone else else is doing. And, uh, you know, if you accept that you get invested in you, your business and real estate, I always tell people just, just, just do it. Just try a deal. Just try a business. And if it doesn't work out, well, great. You're, you're 18. Who cares? I remember when I first went on my own, you know, 18, 19 years ago, a friend of mine's father said to me, are you good at what you do? And I go, yeah. He goes, well, we'll try your business. If it doesn't work, go back to having a job. I was like, okay. <laughs> and then, you know, here, here we are 18 years later because I, I took action. And it doesn't have to be perfect action. Just take action. Fantastic advice. And the, and the last question for you, Darren. What is something you have bought in the last year or two for under $1,500 that has changed your life in a positive way or, or potentially even revolutionized it? Ooh. Um, well, I, I, uh, I, I stole this idea from my daughter because she, she had one, a Remarkable 2 tablet. It's kind of like a... It's kind of like an iPad, but it's really meant for taking notes on it. And it feels like real paper. Battery lasts forever. And then you can convert your notes to to like it'll convert it to words. Or I just usually say save it as PDFs, and you can save it as a PDF. And it it's anyway just Google Remarkable too. It's instead of having a uh, you know ten pounds of paper around my desk now. Now I just have uh, the Remarkable too. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Fantastic. Well, as a final question, Darren, I know that uh, they can get Be the Bank on Amazon, your book, for listeners looking to learn more about what you guys are doing out on the East Coast. But how can people find out more about Control and Compound and and what your team's doing? Yeah. So the easiest way is to uh, check out uh, controlandcompound.com. And we've got some some, uh, things on there. You can learn more, webinars, audiobooks, uh, links to our books some videos, YouTube channels, et cetera. So you can learn more there. And then uh, there's a place to actually make contact with our team if you'd like to like to set up a meeting. Fantastic. Well, maybe we'll leave it there. Thanks for your time, Darren. That was a great conversation. And uh, yeah, appreciate it. Thanks. Have a great day. So there you have it, folks. Our discussion with Darren Mitchell financial educator, author of Be The Bank, and he does have that new book as well, Infinite Banking for Real Estate Investors, coming out this month. Just in time to stock a stuffing. Stock a stuffing. Stock a stuff Stuff a a stocking. (laughs) Wait a second. Did I just have a stroke? Uh, hang on a second. That was stock, good. A, stock a stuffing is uh, <laughs> it's, it's, that's what we do at Thanksgiving. I yeah, think. yeah. No, but it is. Uh, <laughs> you're right. It, it is a great stocking stuffer. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a great, great conversation uh, with Darren. I love these guys, and like Cody Yeh comes to mind, but Darren Mitchell fits the bill as well. It's all about you know not setting the setting it and forgetting it in the RSP, but rather getting your money working for you immediately in multiple different avenues and having it accessible. 
right? Yeah. That's that's the key. And, and and the other thing is, you know, they all love real estate investing, as do we. And it's, uh, yeah, no, it was a great conversation with Darren Mitchell. Yeah, you know, always excited to have, you know, different strategies applied. Because it's, you know, we we talk about, well, we've talked about dozens of strategies on this podcast over the years. This is just another interesting one that you can get working for you. Really appreciate Darren taking the time. Matt, what else do we have before we cut for the day? What else do we have? This might be a bit of a mea culpa. Yeah, As, you, you started to, like, I listened to just the tail end of this. And if if I was... You just got the last five minutes. Yeah, I, I was catching a, a red eye in overnight uh, <laughs> flight uh, out to the Bay Area. But here's the thing. If I didn't, I might be lying here, but I thought I detected a Nova Scotian accent I, on you. You know what? Uh, a there. couple times. This happened. You just had your 40th birthday party. Yes. Uh, yeah, and I was talking to an Irish guy there where somebody actually called me out on it. That you had what? put on an Irish accent. Yeah, I was like, you're so a you going back to Dublin this... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't have to do it. But, <laughs> you, you, but we get it. Yeah, but, you, but you're a bit of an accent mirror for people. You know? <laughs> yeah, what is that? Well, what does that people say People do that, me? though. People yeah. do that. I do that. I, I think I did it a little bit with Darren at the end. I started talking a little bit like I was from the East Coast. Well, last time I, I was talking to... Uh, and I want to apologize. Yeah. Well, this is, <laughs> this is it. I don't know if that's offensive or not. I do it. It with, wasn't on purpose, but right. I could even hear it. I was like, wait, why am I talking about, you know, great big sea this way? Yeah. Well, I was, so I was talking to an Australian guy and I was describing how intoxicated a guy was at the bar. And I said he was flat out like a lizard, which I would never, <laughs> which I would never you would say. Get not, you would get I, not in a million years would I say that if I was talking to anyone else other than I was like, to put it in your terms. He was so you understand. like a lizard. What? <laughs> and then I commented that I like his track, track decks, but uh, his, I liked his tracky decks, I should say. Um, but anyways, it's all in jest and yeah. uh, it wasn't and intentional. That, that's for sure. Yeah. So, so my apologies for that. But uh, what else do we have before we go today, Adam? One more thing, of course, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Head over to VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com, our website where all things real estate related live. This is our podcast. This is the Vancouver commercial real estate podcast. It's yes. on a bit of a tear right now. Great information at the Vancouver commercial real estate podcast with Corey Wright. And we have the live wire. Yes. This is VIP access to residential properties. This is VIP access to commercial properties, deal of the month, stats before anyone else. And we also have tried and true. And it seems popular in the last month. It's a, this so is always people a sign. signing up for PCS. Yes. This is private client services. Yeah, Matt. And if you are not using PCS, you are standing still while the rest of us power walk by. You get sold prices, days on market. You basically get realtor level information for free. It's available at your fingertips on VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. It is the best way to search for real estate in Vancouver. And really, honestly, if you're not using it, what are you doing? It's crazy. No, it's your, your tracky dags are on too you, tight. You're wildly out of touch yes. with, the, with the market. You this is the best way it. to stay on top. You got to get on PCS. The other thing, Matt, I will mention is, yeah, we are going into the holidays, but we've got some fantastic episodes coming up. We got some really great feedback on last week's show, The Nine Ways to Find a Deal in any, well, in the Vancouver real estate market. So if you haven't heard that one, go back. It's uh, just an episode of you and I, and uh, a lot of people reached out, had some pretty nice things to say. Yeah, that was that was great. Two other things. One, we are doing the Vancouver Real Estate Investment Summit, November yes. 20th. This is actually, I think still they do this over Zoom or some, some way, but, uh, you know, Kyle Green, yeah. Ace Mortgage Broker, Kyle Green. Ace. 
and uh, Dave Steele, <laughs> a host of other fantastic real estate guests will be on there. That's a Saturday morning, the Vancouver Real Estate Investment Summit, November 20th. And last but not least, Adam, stay tuned for next week because we have John Webster right. on the show. This I'm so excited for this. He is head of real estate secured lending and Scotia Mortgage Authority at Scotiabank. You want to talk inflation, interest rates, what's going on in real estate, where the risks are, where the opportunities are. John Webster's the guy. And uh, it's very exciting to have somebody on from Scotiabank. Yeah, yeah. This is a first. This is a first. Yeah. And, and I can't wait for this conversation. Matt, on a final note, has anyone ever talked to you in a prairie accent before? Is that, uh, is that something that's ever <laughs> happened? mirroring me? Has anyone yeah. ever mirrored you with oh. uh, Oh, Matt, tell yeah. us more about the yeah, yeah, No, yeah. that's not a prairie no, accent. I can't actually. That, that was like an Irish. That was. A, that I was, actually can't do a prairie. I, I feel like it's too close it's to Fargo. home. It's Fargo. Yeah, it's that's Fargo. That's what it is. It's uh, all Margie. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. That, that's, a, that's a prairie accent. Yeah. And nobody's mirrored me doing that. No uh, one's done that? Not yet. No. And me, I'm unmirrable. I'm, <laughs> I'm just this West Coast accent. Just. Stay groovy. Stay all groovy right. all the time. All right. So uh, give me a shout if you want to talk about accents or anything else, preferably real estate related. 778-847-2854 or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. Yeah. And, and give me a shout if you want to talk about real estate or talk in a prairie accent about real estate. I'll, I'll join you for that. 778-866-4574 or Adam at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. We also got that Kokomo line, info at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week, of course. The hits keep on coming. Take care, guys. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. We want to take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience? Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out, starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you've really made an impact and connected with the community. And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee. Yeah, you know, serving food sometimes. And you made some friends along the and way. I've made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually, in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right? Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Conkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer, and they're looking for both donations, and they definitely like volunteers. That's holyhouse.ca. 
Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.